Hello, and welcome to 7-Minute Opinions, your audio guide to thought-provoking arguments from a variety of writers and thinkers. I'm Damon Linker, Senior Correspondent of the Week, and today I'd like to address an election question that I've been mulling. What's the difference between democracy and rule by the mob? This is a pressing question. A man who has been aptly described as the most successful demagogue charlatan in the history of U.S. politics managed to accumulate enough votes to become the Republican nominee for president. Then he enjoyed a bounce in the polls following a chaotic convention filled with blatant fear-mongering and an acceptance speech that set himself up as the strongman savior of the nation. Meanwhile, a man who became a Democrat only when he declared his candidacy for president came within striking distance of winning a presidential nomination. And like petulant children, his supporters continually disrupted the Democratic convention. Is this democracy or rule by the mob? To answer that question, we can turn to the history of democracy, which can often give us much-needed perspective on some of the most troubling tendencies of the present political moment. The meaning of the word democracy has changed very little over the centuries and millennia. It means a form of government in which the people, or the many, rule. But the way philosophers and intellectuals have evaluated democracy has shifted radically. What was once considered one of the worst forms of government is presumed by most today to be the only legitimate form of government. But have we taken our reverence for the concept of democracy too far? For Greeks in ancient Athens, democracy was simply mob rule. It was the politics of the crowd. It was devoid of reason. It was fickle, impetuous, ignorant, irresponsible, and easily manipulable by the rhetoric of sophists and demagogues who used rank flattery of base passions and fears to move public opinion whichever way they wished. This is why Plato held that a pure democracy is always one step away from devolving into tyranny, the worst form of government of all. Because a sufficiently accomplished manipulator can ride to power on waves of popular adulation and then turn himself into a tyrant. Aristotle shared this dark view of democratic government, but he nonetheless proposed that a modified form of democracy that mixed elements of oligarchical rule of the wealthy few could produce a relatively decent form of politics. In such a mixed regime, the worst aspects of each defective form of government would restrain the worst aspects of the other. Over the next 2,000 years, Aristotle's idea of moderating the excesses of democracy in a mixed regime resurfaced from time to time. You can find it in the writings of select political philosophers in ancient Rome and the European Middle Ages, and it also shows up in the goals of the conciliar movement within the medieval Catholic Church. But it wasn't until the 17th and 18th centuries that a wide range of authors actively revived Aristotle's suggestions. The Enlightenment aimed to adapt classical insights to the changed circumstances of modernity. Members of the movement argued that institutions could be devised to mix elements of democracy, aristocracy, and monarchy, preserving the best and neutralizing the worst aspects of each pure form. This new version of a mixed regime combined democratic election with representative institutions and various anti-democratic checks. 
But it was in the decades following the French Revolution that democracy became not just an acceptable form of government with distinctive strengths and weaknesses, but simply the best form of government. In the U.S., democracy's rapidly rising reputation translated into a series of reforms that dismantled numerous constitutional and customary restraints. And then those reforms were followed up by more recent moves to make Congress more transparent to the people and responsive to public opinion. Today, democracy is considered the only legitimate form of government, and increasing the democratic character of any existing government is considered an unalloyed good. But is it? One reason why early modern political philosophers seemed more keen on democracy than their ancient counterparts is that they presumed that demagogic manipulation would be more difficult in the much larger political communities of modernity. But in the early 20th century, technology such as electronic speakers to amplify voices at massive public rallies, as well as radio, film, and television, enabled the old defects of democracy to resurface on a vastly larger scale. In our own time, 24-7 partisan news and social media, especially Twitter, take the capacity for mass public manipulation to levels unthinkable in past ages. Now we know that a virtual mob can even be mobilized to deliver control of a major political party into the hands of a man any political philosopher in Western history would instantly recognize as a demagogue and potential tyrant. That raises the question, have we gone too far in our one-sided adoration of democracy? And are there any democratically acceptable means of dispersing a mob of millions once it is formed? The difficulty of finding any principle by which to temper a democracy's excesses is one reason why Plato looked upon democracy so skeptically and warned so ominously about its tendency to degrade into something much worse. Was Plato too pessimistic? We may receive a tentative answer on November 8th. And that does it for this episode of 7-Minute Opinions. Look out for new episodes every Tuesday on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. For more of the week's selection of podcasts, go to theweek.com audio. I'm Damon Linker, and thanks so much for listening.